It's time now for today's edition of Community Conversations. It's the interview program in which we dialogue with voices from the Omaha community. And here's your host for Community Conversations. Let's welcome Cammie Carlisle. Well, hi, Ryan. I'm excited today. Today for our Community Conversations, we have Josh Planos, Vice President of Communications and Public Relations of the Better Business Bureau in the House. Welcome, Josh. Thanks so much for having me, Cammie. Absolutely. Now, I know you've been here before, but I haven't had the pleasure of hanging out with you. So tell me all about you. So are you from Omaha? Uh, not originally. I'm actually originally from Naperville, Illinois, ah. uh, but firmly a Nebraskan. We moved here uh, before I started middle school. So, oh, yeah. Like, You're a Nebraskan. <laughs> I, I own it. Uh, yeah. And like so many others, uh, I followed um, the the pipeline to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Ah. Um, and uh, I've got my, my mother is here. She actually just retired uh, mm-hmm. two days ago from oh. the University of Nebraska-Omaha. Good for so her. Congratulations to her. Good job, Mom. Uh, but my, my sister lives in Pennsylvania, and my dad lives in Illinois. Ah, so some traveling for you. Yeah, I bet. What did you study it? down at UNL? Um, I'm a journalism. Uh, <gasps> journalism major. Ooh, that's why I know I I'm like sorry, you. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, journalism. So how did you get to be at business at the Better Business Bureau? What was your, your course there? So I sort of stumbled around after graduation. I went to KETV Newswatch 7 after graduation. Uh, ah. uh, I graduated, so I spent a few years there. Okay. Um, moved on to fundraising through the University of Nebraska Foundation. Mm-hmm. Moved to Grand Island Public Schools, and here I am. So wow. I, I've, I guess I've crossed the the for profit nonprofit uh, border a few times. Yeah. But, uh, very very happy to be with the Better Business Bureau now. Good. You know, you said Channel Seven. That's where I know your name from. Because when we first started talking, I was like, Why do I know his name? Aha. Okay, I'm glad that mystery solved. A lot of late nights writing uh, Uh stories for them, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the Better Business Bureau, tell us what the organization does and how does it operate? Sure. So uh, the Better Business Bureau essentially exists to advance trust in the marketplace. That is our mission. It has been our mission for more than a century. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were built to create trust between consumers and businesses. And we do this by offering vetted businesses and charity reviews, dispute resolution services. We issue scam alerts and warnings pretty regularly. In fact, we've issued a scam alert every week for 10 consecutive years now, which is uh, devastating, frankly, that it's needed, but uh, encouraging, I guess, that the information is out there. Um, We also uphold our accreditation standards, which a lot of folks know us by, we have more than 400,000 accredited businesses around the country that have agreed to those uh, standards as member organizations. Wow. So you said 100 years ago this started? Yeah, 1912 huh. uh, in Minnesota, which we were actually talking about uh, off air a little yeah, bit. But, uh, interesting. Yeah. And so even back then, they needed this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, humans. What's yes. the deal? And did you just say really every single week for 10 years you've put out a scam alert? Yeah, the, the the Better Business Bureau has, yes. Um, is, that, is that insane? That feels insane to me. Like, what is wrong with people? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Uh, and it only got worse, unfortunately, uh, when, when the pandemic hit. Um, so it was incredibly important to get that information out there. There's a new angle, a new agenda for a scammer um, each and every day. But... Uh, you know, our our feeling is if we if we get that information out there, that's going to be the best form of protection is yeah. um, is, is education. So tell me this: I know you've been there only a few years, but do you think the role of the internet also affected this in a negative way? Uh, with regard to scams, yeah. Oh yeah, without question. Um, it's 
it used to be, you know, half a century ago, you'd have to shake someone's hand if you wanted to swipe their wallet. And nowadays, you can do it from a call center half a world away. Right. You don't need to be in the same vicinity as, as the person. It's never been easier to scale an operation, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, we're talking about various switchboards. It's not as though someone is picking up and cold calling you. It's a lot more sophisticated uh, of wow. an operation nowadays. Yeah. That's incredible. So what did people do before? Just Okay, well, they. I won't go back to that boot maker. I mean, I mean, yeah, essentially, right? uh, essentially, we we were created to provide some semblance of regulation for advertising, so that products like Coca Cola and cigarette manufacturers would stop marketing their products to sil- uh, to children oh. as a, a healthy opportunity. Ah. Um, so truly, we were we were installed as a, as a protective barrier. I see. Um, and of course, you know, our operation has expanded since then mm-hmm. um, to incorporate a number of other core services. But um, the you know trust and transparency is is still kind of our, our calling card. It's kind of heartbreaking proudly. that we actually have to even have this, right? I mean, you would think, but here we are. So you mentioned your code of conduct. I would I would like to think that everybody would be. Cool, but obviously not. So what is the code of conduct all about? Yeah, so um, as as a, a leader in advancing marketplace trust, we set high ethical standards for business conduct. We also apply these standards to ourselves and the folks that we do uh, business with, our business partners. So this is actually not um, accredited uh, businesses per se. These okay. are folks that uh, – this refers to, to suppliers uh, that contract to provide BBB with any product or service mm-hmm. and other organizations that contract with us to accomplish our mission. So these uh, folks have, have separate standards than, say, an accredited business would, though there is quite a bit of overlap. Okay. Um, the six standards for the business partner code of conduct mm-hmm. are uh, start with trust, maintain legal and regulatory compliance, advertise honestly, safeguard data and privacy, embody integrity, and report violations of the code. Um, these standards are built out much more comprehensively on our website, but um, a lot of that language is, is used with regard to um, the, the code of conduct we have for our BBB accredited businesses as well. Okay, so that's how that's different. So the accreditation standards are not the same as code of conduct. Right. And remind me, so how do these standards, how are those different? I mean, what do you have like six of those or? Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we, we call them eight. Uh, eight, the, the okay. eight standards, yes, but uh, th- those are build trust, advertise honestly, tell the truth, be transparent, honor promises. Be responsive, safeguard privacy, and embody integrity. Again, a little bit looser on the definition, mm-hmm. but certainly in terms of the practice, as as thorough and as comprehensive. Just um, th- there are some slight tweaks to the language. So basically, in a nutshell, be decent, do the right things, don't rip off your customers, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, how does a business become certified? Because I just can't imagine. I mean, how do you even know that they're doing all of these things? Right. So, so there is a, a pretty. Uh, considerable process to become BBB accredited. Okay. There is a cost associated with it as well that I would like to touch on. Yeah. Um, there are, it, to your point, doing right by the customer and the community is really the heart of most of these standards. Right. And if you right. can do that, you'll be fine. But for some, these are considered strict eligibility requirements. Uh, things like duration of time as a business, you need to have the required licensing in your jurisdiction. You can't have unresolved customer complaints. You can't have a government ethics violation. You need to fulfill the contracts and the promises that you make. You follow the government and the laws uh, and the codes. Um, so 
all of that information needs to be, uh, you know, checked off. Um, but then there is a, an online application form. Folks can go to bbb.org slash get accredited, okay. uh, to start that process. Um, on the dues side, some of us think, some, some folks think of us as, as a government organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not, we're, we're actually a 501c6. That's right. Uh, we're reliant upon member dues to exist. Okay. Those dues vary based on the size of the business and there are ranges. So, um, it wouldn't make sense, right, for a small business to be charged the same amount as a yeah. 5,000 employee corporation. Right. Um, so some of those dues start at, at $49 a month. Oh. Um, most small businesses or businesses under 10 employees are looking at less than uh, $650 annually to be accredited. Okay. So my question is, like, literally, I mean, how do you go and check? Are, are you just looking at is there files? Do you have to go physically to the business? I mean, how does this work? In some cases, both. Um, thankfully, with the digital age, we haven't needed to do a whole lot of house calls in that yeah. way. But uh, we certainly have a database that that tracks. Um, there is a recurring vetting process. Um, there is the expectation that some of that information will be provided to us as okay. far as um, advertising. But we certainly have folks that go through and verify the ads that they see. Um, there, there is an honor system to a degree, but there is also an auditing system as ah, well. Okay. And that happens every year then if yes. somebody's a member of BBB? Yes. Okay. So what are the benefits of being actually accredited with you guys then? So it depends on who you ask. Um, certainly, uh, the resources that we deploy for small businesses look a little bit different than the ones that we do for, for corporations. Not mm-hmm. to say that you have any more or less. It's just you're probably looking at us as a vehicle for, for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first and probably most significant benefit of being accredited is that customers can trust you. Okay. Um, we ran a survey that found that more than 90% of customers recognized our logo and what it stands for. Um, when they see that logo attached to your brand, they know that you're a business that they can trust. Um, you certainly inherit all of the, the hundred years of goodwill that we've um, managed to to accrue over the years. Um, becoming accredited also provides uh, fresh leads for a business. We have a mm. request a quote program, so it's okay. very easy to get in touch with, uh, say, that lawn care provider that, that you've been meaning to get in touch with. Um, you get a competitive edge. Uh, fewer than 3% of all businesses have our mark of accreditation. Okay. Um, so, you know, while we talk about hundreds of thousands of businesses, it's still a very small ripple in a very large pond. Really? Um, you benefit from greater exposure. You're on our online directory. Um, you know, that brings, you know, more than 100 million people to our site each year. Uh, there's individualized support. So you have a representative if you have questions or concerns or you want to maximize uh, your accreditation. Um, you benefit from the network that you're mm-hmm. uh, entered into. Uh, we we hold various events. And then I think also significantly, just kind of on a human level, what, what you're doing is you're putting your money toward a stronger and more ethic, ethical and more transparent community. Right. And I'd like to think that all of us could probably get behind that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So how does a business become unaccredited? Has that, does that happen often? Or does it really take a lot of... Mm. Well, it, de- it depends on. Uh, it probably happens a little bit more than than maybe you'd think, but yeah. uh, but certainly it's it's a conversation that um, we don't shy away from if if it's if it's warranted. Um, there there is that vetting process. Mm-hmm. There is a, a revocation uh, cycle that that some folks unfortunately go through if they are um, misleading folks with advertising or or not um, you know demonstrating the, the the standards that that we uphold. Right. So uh, you know unfortunately that that seal can be revoked, um, but. Uh, 
you know, it's that, that that's kind of the name of the, the game. So I noticed on your website that you have ratings that you give to businesses, and they mm-hmm. are like school, A plus to F, darn it. So what are these based on, and is it a point system? How do you determine who gets what grade? Yeah, so, so these ratings represent the Better Business Bureau's opinion of how the business is likely to interact with its customers. Um, that rating is based on information that we are able to obtain about the business okay. through uh, directly from uh, business representatives and also public data sources. Um, in some cases, we don't rate businesses. Those will be indicated by an NR or a no rating oh. for reasons that include insufficient information about a business. So if okay. we don't know enough, we won't just blindly give them a grade. Uh, or if there's an ongoing review or an update of the business file. Um, they're not a guarantee of a business's reliability or performance. We do our absolute best to be impartial about sure. things. But it is a quick snapshot, and we do think it is useful for consumers as they navigate financial decisions. Uh, it is a 100-point scale. Oh, okay. Uh, like you. Just um, like school. Just All like right. school. Um, and so uh, customer reviews are not used in the calculation of the letter grade system, but what are include uh, the business's complaint history with the BBB, okay. the type of business, the time spent in business, the transparency of the business practices, the licensing, the advertising issues, failure to honor commitments. Um, and, and there are... Uh, you know, tweaks to those uh, depending on uh, what information we have. But uh, but it is a thorough uh, point system. It is not as though you, you don't respond to one complaint and suddenly you have an F-rated right. business. Right. But if you are a business with an F rating, are you still with the BBB or are you just like, mm. I mean, do you keep them? Are they still accredited even if they're no. F? No, we're done. No, they, they How about a D? Revoked. D plus? Uh, <laughs> it would be taken on an individual basis, but okay. uh, but but certainly we we would not accredit a business that that couldn't uphold yeah. those standards. Now I'm going to ask about the scam tracker. Ryan is really anxious to hear about these scams, and sure. so am I. But tell us about the scam tracker and how it works. Sure. So this is actually a tool that has been around since 2015, but it got quite. Um, the facelift in the last 12 months. Um, it's a tool that was aimed to help consumers learn about and fight back about scams. So if you wanted to know what uh, someone in your community had experienced, uh, you could you could drill down by zip code, you could drill down by amount lost, you could drill down by scam type. And it's also a, a public database. So it is a free a uh, tool that will keep you anonymous. Hmm. Um, there's no threshold that needs to be met okay. uh, for for you to present your story. Um, but in the last 12 months, we got a significant investment from uh, Capital One and Amazon to roll out a, a new and improved system. I think it's a lot more intuitive. Oh. Uh, but it is a it's bbb.org/scamtracker. If you are interested, okay. um, I believe last year we estimated that it saved uh, one and a half million dollars. Just in terms of folks coming to the site before they ultimately swiped on a, uh, a transaction. Wow. Um, so it is, uh, it is a very helpful tool for, uh, for getting a sense of, of, of what's in the water. So how does that work with Amazon? So you've got a bazillion different people selling things, right, through Amazon. So how, how in the heck do you even rate that? Yeah, so so Amazon has a whole fraud vertical. They have many, many employees assigned to, uh-huh. uh, to, to handle those types of things. But... Um, I will say that they they do a phenomenal job of responding to each and every customer complaint. I think that whether Amazon's practices are, are sound and ethical is probably a conversation probably reserved for them right. to speak to. But <laughs> but certainly, um, you know, we, we uh, appreciate the the investment in this tool because this tool is meant to to protect all of us. Um, 
and I do think it is it is accomplishing that. Um, I know that when my mom has a situation where she gets a cold call from someone, uh, let's say his name's Mike Smith, she'll go to Scam Tracker and type in Mike Smith oh. uh, lottery, Mike Smith, um, you know, investment. And it's very easy to get to the bottom of whether or not there's a scam if that's previously been reported. I need to teach my mother this. My mother bought some shoes from jankyshoes.com. And guess what? They were janky, <laughs> and she couldn't return them. Yep. So that's kind of like the Amazon thing, though. So say, like, I'm on Amazon, and I think, oh, gosh, I love that shirt, and it's from She Shirt. God knows where they're located. Sure. And I get it, and it's the size of a Barbie doll shirt. Mm. So is the complaint against Amazon or against She Shirt? <laughs> I would, mean, or both. It would probably be against both, right? Okay. It's who's, who's facilitating the, the transaction? Um it seems unrealistic to think that Amazon could properly vet every single uh, third-party uh, yeah. seller on, on their platform. Right. But, I've um, always wondered, like, how? Because sometimes, like, I was just looking for a winter coat, and you're like, why is that only $30? And what's wrong with it? And sure. is it really my size? Sure. I sure. mean, some of that stuff makes me really, like, red flags go up big time, right? Yes, yes. And uh, we would encourage you and and uh, folks like you to to follow that that gut instinct. I think there's a lot of, uh, especially in this state in particular, uh, a a willingness to accept the reality presented by the seller or the person who provided the unsolicited communication um, and just accept it as fact rather than uh, you know maybe push back if something you know feels a little bit fishy. Ugh, is that because we're Nebraska nice? It could be. Oh, um, I, I do think that there are. Uh, the, the, the success rate of scams in this state in particular, in this region in particular, um, the data would suggest that there is a little bit more trust that may be problematic, unfortunately. With Darn it, Nebraskans. We're so nice. we got to, like, pay attention. Y'all don't get scammed. The scammers hate questions. So oh. the best thing you can do is, is ask and see if they will unravel the, the operation for you. Okay. I've got a lot to talk to my mom about. So on your site... As a consumer, I can go on and I can either like praise a business or I can file a complaint, right? So are there certain complaints that the BBB does not consider valid? Like if I said, well, I went there and they ignored me and I left. I mean, that's not really a valid complaint, is it? No, and, and we, we do not take uh, complaints from uh, previous employees. Okay. Right? If you are, oh, good to uh, know. If you happen to be let go from an mm-hmm. operation. We uh, we can't unfortunately take take your complaint uh, and, and post it publicly. Uh, there is a a pretty thorough review process. We talk a lot about how easy it is to um, kind of. Uh, weaponize customer reviews for products these days and we're very proud of our verification system that involves many many phone calls that is not as simple as uh you know i'm upset and i'm going to post that comment immediately there will be a process that that uh comment needs to go through that review needs to go through for it to be ultimately approved or denied um and uh there has to be evidence of a marketplace interaction between uh the customer and, and and the and the a company in question for that review to be posted as well. This just reminded me, a few years ago, I was living in a different house, and we had that huge hailstorm back mm-hmm. in whatever summer, decimated the house. We had a company come out to do the roof and everything else, and I re- it was horrible. And I remember I placed a complaint, and I, I never went back to check on it. Now i got to go check on it. You should. But like that stuff, when it comes in, then you get that complaint, what happens then? We have a complaint processing team. Okay. They will go through. They will make phone calls. They will uh, ensure that uh, 
there was actually an interaction between the person and the company in question. Mm. Uh, they will give the company an opportunity to respond. Okay. Um, and uh, it'll be – it might not be as, as immediate. Um, we, we're very proud of the, the turnaround time. That, what is uh, it? What is your turnaround time? It, it, de- it depends on the week, right? Sure, um, right. Um, it probably depends on the company as well. But okay. it, it's, I would say, within 48 hours. Wow. Okay. So I make a complaint against this company. You guys check it out. It's a valid complaint. Does that drop the rating then? So complaints would if they are un, um, responded to, if they're not responded to. Oh, so, uh, okay. Re- so reviews and complaints are, are, are separate, right? But um, the, the complaint processing system, I believe, would be used against the, the letter grade, but the review would not. Got and, it. And ultimately, the important piece is that there is um, – an attempt made by the the business to to rectify the situation that Got they it. would at least respond to to reviews or complaints. Otherwise, that would be damaging. Hmm. Okay, I got to go back and check my thing. I that was years ago, and I just wondered, sure, <laughs> whatever happened to that? So, let's talk about some scams. I want to hear some of the crazier ones that you've had to deal with because humans, you know, we're just getting wackier every year. I feel like. So, you got some stories about scams. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, there are uh, this time of year we're we're seeing a lot of tax-related fraud, Ugh. IRS type uh, phone calls, which frankly have been around for for yep. decades. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, what we've seen lately has been uh, the vast majority of fraud that we monitor originates with unsolicited communication. So you mm. receive that phone call, that email, that text message from someone you've never met before. Uh, maybe it has a, a shortened link. Uh, certainly around the holidays, we see a lot of fake uh, de- uh, delivery scams, mm-hmm. right? So with how ubiquitous online shopping has become, folks forget that they purchased a product from, from Target. Right. And here's a text message saying, I, I can actually track it to my house. Oh, well, I might as well click. Um, when in reality, the, the transaction never happened. Um, and you're going to a site that downloads malware. So mm, uh, yep. a lot of these scams are devastating and um, in, in how they infiltrate the home. Um, it is something that is very difficult to police, especially if the originator of the scam, if the, the culprit is overseas, uh, when you have multiple jurisdictions. Uh-huh. And, how does that work then? Well, it, it depends on the government in question. Um, the, it doesn't really do the U.S. any good to know who the scammer is if the country of origin is not willing to police it. There was a situation a few years ago where a call center was raided in India, except nobody got arrested because the uh, Indian authorities tipped off the, the call center. So oh. <laughs> there was nobody there when the raid oh, happened. Well, there you go. Right. So, but but it is. Um, it, it's not to say that it's uh, that we're so far removed. Um, there was a woman in Grand Island who, in the past six months, was uh, arrested with alleged ties to um, a romance scam operation based out of Ghana. There were what? folks in Omaha. How does that even happen? Yeah, it's um, it's very easy to otherize um, scam related activity and. To, I mean, from both the victim perspective and from, um, you know, a suspect perspective. But uh, th- there are there are plenty of, of scammers and fraudsters right here in Nebraska as well, unfortunately. Uh, so what about – so internationally, is, is BBB just for America? Is that just us? Or do other companies have – or countries have something similar or the same? You know – we are an international outfit now. Oh, we serve okay. the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, mm-hmm. um, so North America. But we, uh, I, I hesitate to say that there are any, um, you know, similar organizations in other countries. There very well could be. I just mm-hmm. 
probably not with the, the scope and the, the, the resources. So let me ask you this. My mother-in-law got a phone call from somebody and it was the go get a visa and then mm-hmm. call me back and she did it. Are those people, I mean, do you deal with that kind of stuff too? Like if she could have the number, right? She's got the number. If she contacted Better Business Bureau, is that enough for you guys to work with? Yeah, provided that she has the the contact information, we always love that folks uh, if folks can you know upload supporting documentation because that's really what's what's beneficial. Is scammers really like to reuse names and uh, phone numbers and email addresses if they can. So uh, even just getting that information available, if it's just a keyword, think about uh, how much scam related activity would be. Uh, prevented by just uh, knowing the email address and someone being able to search within a browser, right? Email address scam, right? Um, you know, you'd really you'd get to the bottom of it instantly. Uh, <sighs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, we we, we see uh, folks asking for uh, any sort of personal, personally identifiable information all the time. Of the vast majority of scams, ask for personal yep. or payment information. So. Um, you know, a visa card, social security, anything that you can withdraw funds from or s- create up uh, accounts, uh, bank accounts through um, mm-hmm. is going to be beneficial for a scammer to have access to. Do you feel like like that kind of a scam mostly preys on elderly folks I, or just anybody that's going to give that information? So uh, y- yes, yes and, and no. Y- yes to both, actually. Uh, so we release a annual snapshot of scam-related activity. We call it our Scam Tracker Risk Report. Okay. 2021 found that those between the ages of 18 and 24 mm-hmm. were actually the most likely to be scammed. Really? Uh, which was about the opposite of what I anticipated when yeah. I took my job with the, the Better Business Bureau. But if you think about all of the uh, volume of content and technology that this demographic is inundated with social media in particular mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going to be something that is is not going to go away no. um, I will say the the more devastating scams that we have seen have targeted those over the age of 65 yeah historically speaking um, also the this is a, a demographic that that probably has money in uh, or a different amount of money rather than than the folks who are uh, you know teenagers so some of it is is generational but some of it too is is a uh, a real mirror into what, what society's going to look like when increasingly all of us are on our phones for yeah. 12 I just, hours a day. That's, I feel like, I mean, just the fact that we even need this just as a human is heartbreaking because it's just like, can't we just be good and kind and do the right things? But obviously we cannot. And so we have you guys as the safety net. But I, I, it's fascinating to me with the Internet now. Like you said, everybody's got this right in your pocket, right, all the time. I need some shoes. I'm just going to order them right here. I need my groceries. I can do everything from my phone. And it would just be curious to, like, look at the snapshot of what it looked like for you guys, like the number of businesses before Internet, and then all of a sudden, bam, that had to just blow things up, right? Yeah, without question, it's almost like the, the transaction process has become too quick. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we, yeah. We talk all the time uh, about scam prevention and awareness efforts and the benefit of providing yourself that extra oxygen, that extra beat to, to process the situation and then make the best possible uh, decision for, for you. And unfortunately, when it only takes three taps on your phone to purchase a $1,000 product um, or you know, you're know you hit with a, uh, a robocall and told immediately that you need to fork over private information, right? Uh, it becomes very difficult to to allow yourself that time uh, right. to make that decision. So this would be a good time for those of us with elderly parents to have that conversation one more time with the internet or phone calls. Like you don't give out personal information ever. 
I mean, how many times have we heard from a bank, oh, we're not ever going to call you <laughs> and ask you right. for this, and remind them to be really careful where they click? Yes, without without question, especially on the on the clicking front, um, it's so easy to inadvertently tap on something. Yeah, I did I did it this morning when I was trying to to report something as spam. Mm-hmm. Inadvertently clicked into the email, right? And yep. it's in the scamming uh, the scamming playbook, there aren't takebacks. There's not uh, the, the benefit of, uh, of 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 anything. You're you're stuck with the situation, so it's right. absolutely imperative that you don't um, you know click on uh, links that that you don't know where they're going to go uh, to not provide personally identifiable information to anyone who you haven't met. Um, who you aren't speaking with in person. Mm-hmm. All of that information needs to be kept under wraps because it's incredibly important to keep it secure. Yeah, absolutely. So good time, everybody. It's still the beginning of the year. Talk with your folks. Talk with people that you care about because you don't want this to happen. It was a mess for my mom. It was a mess for my mother-in-law. So I'm really glad you all are around. Will you give us our website or your website? Yeah, so our website is bbb.org. Okay. We have a geolocator in the top right corner. Oh. Um, so it'll at least uh, shepherd you in the right direction of which uh, bureau it would be your point of contact ah, if you need okay. assistance. Perfect. Um, certainly not used in a, in a tracking manner, but it is meant to simplify things. Sure. Um, and then uh, our phone number is, uh, at least in Nebraska, is 402-436-2345. And is that man 24 hours a day or just regular business hours? Regular business hours, but we do a phenomenal job of calling back. <laughs> good, good. Well, Josh, it is great to meet you, and thank you for coming in. Time flew by, and again, really glad that we have you all as a safety net, so thank you. Everybody, that was Josh Planos from the Better Business Bureau. I'm Cami Carlisle. And again, thank you so much for listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book Service. You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. It's the interview program that brings you voices from the Omaha community. The Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. We've been proudly serving our blind and visually impaired listeners for 46 years. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and supporter.